Hi everybody, welcome back to I Tell You What. And today I have my guest, Christina. Christina, wanna tell everybody about yourself? Sure, thank you, I'm Christina. I um, did 18 years in the Army, and that's where I met Frank, and I have two beautiful children. Very. Um, oh, thank you. Uh, I did multiple jobs in the military, wore different hats, and absolutely loved it. Um, I've had many experiences with different things here and there, but um, <laughs> mostly, um, yeah, mostly just... Uh, Modeling, right now, et cetera, I, et cetera. Yes, yeah, I've, I've dabbled in modeling a little bit. Um, I've also uh, have been a zookeeper for a little bit. Nice. <laughs> I went to school for forensic science, which was amazing. Psychology. Um, like I said, a little bit of everything, really. No. Um, and I'm, I'm really excited because you and I have a lot to talk about and catch up on. For sure. By the way, guys, that means no cell phone is safe for her. She went to school for forensic science, so she, if she wants to get in that cell phone, she'll get in that cell phone. <laughs> yes. But no, A it's uh. <laughs> but no, it's uh, great to see you again. Um, I know some of our viewers. Our listeners may not notice, but I know some of our viewers are really going to be zooming in and they're like, what's going on right there? And no, she was not in a domestic violence case. So we're just going to throw that out there right now. Uh, Christina, you want to go ahead and share with the people what happened? Yes, I, um, Friday, since this is Monday, um, I was involved in an almost head-on collision in my vehicle with a freeway cement pillar, the ones that hold up the overpass of a freeway. Um, I only had minimal, like mere seconds before I could adjust to where I was going to end up either in the back of another SUV or as far as I could see head on with this pillar. So I was able to just adjust slightly and the impact hit my passenger side front end, which bounced me off and, um, that basically saved my life was the, the just the slight adjustment the seat belts the airbags the safety features of the vehicle absolutely saved my life as well um i'm actually very very lucky to be here today because i look at the pictures and the damage my vehicle is completely um totaled that's gone yeah. and it's kind of sad because i've only had it for three months <laughs> and it was a really nice hand for <laughs> what model vehicle but, it was like not not trying to gas up somebody's uh oh, yes. like business it was, a, it, was a, it was a land rover h see i don't even remember the the, the model of it it was right? so new to me <laughs> i'm trying to tell you well i'm saying though like but for anybody out there with families and stuff it saved your life so yeah it was a land rover like h2 series i believe like h h that, that in that area it was it was very nice and for the first time, I had everything I wanted in a vehicle. Right. It just ended up the way it was. And I'm so glad that I did decide to get something like that this time. Yeah. Because I did have a an old school Jeep Grand Cherokee. Yeah. Um, you remember my Nissan Xterra, which I, I love. Do. I absolutely love that thing. I don't um, think it would have held up like that one did. No, mm. that that thing, it was basically, the, the impact was so bad that it, collapsed in on itself um and saved me i i was pinned a little bit but 
all my limbs are here. I, I made it out and like really what you can see is the extent of my injuries right now. Um, and with the quick reaction of the person that was behind me, who I think was a military member um, mm-hmm. as well, he came to, to help. The impact was so bad that the, I hit on my passenger side. Right. My driver's side door would not open. And I did not hit anything on that side. I was launched from the pillar across, and I was basically pinned in. And so he had a hard time trying to get to me from the passenger, the driver's side. It was a very eye-opening experience. Um, I was able to save everybody else around me, um, and there were, you know, I, I was the only one that was really hurt in my car. But that's always been I have a, great choice. That's okay. always been a key part of your nature since I've known you is to put others before yourself, like even at the cost of yourself. So that's. Uh, I don't know if you've seen, uh, what is it, The Dark Knight, uh, Christian yeah. Bale. Well, the Joker, he said a line in that movie, and I feel like it's so spot on. It's so spot on because he said, you want to know um, who you really are? It's in the moments that you're about to die. You discover who like you really are inside. And uh, he was telling him about his... Uh, his uh, partners or whatever that he killed, he was just like, yeah, those guys are my partners. He's like, yeah. He's like, well, if you want to know, I actually knew him better than you did because I was with him in their last moments. And he's like, you want to know which one of them are cowards? And, you know, trying to antagonize the guy. But, like, that part of the movie really stuck out for me because I was just like, man, everyone in, everyone in the world, everyone, man, woman, child, they'd love to say, well, if I was about to die, I'd do this. And if I was about to die, I'd do that. Or if it was the end for me, this is what I how I react to a situation that was life threatening, and we never know. We never really know until that's thrust upon us. And in that moment, you didn't know whether you walk away from that or not, but you reacted how you've always acted in life, and you were just like, "I don't want anyone else to get hurt." Right, and and I do very very vividly remember. I know I'm gonna hit something, and I don't want it. To- hurt anybody else and I know it's going to cause damage but I didn't want to inflict any uh, any more injuries or damage to anything else and I would take that on and I do believe that um, you hit that right on the nail like if you're looking at death right in the eyes and that's what you see coming up you figure out who you are real fast Yeah. and wow it's very, very humbling. It's a very intense and slow motion, <laughs> yeah, all at once type of feeling. I, apparently, I took out a whole freeway street sign and everything, and I didn't see that because at that moment, that sign wasn't going to kill me. The pillar was, right? And the other person in front of me, they were important. So you only see, or I at least, I only saw what was important, right. and it really is a split second. But it's so slow and it gives you just enough time to really make those decisions and if by any chance you ever come out of that which i'm very very fortunate to to do don't take it for granted yeah that day i was having a very very bad day i was in a very dark place and i was very sad and 
that was had nothing to do with this accident by any means. Right. And I felt out of control of everything. That accident, like I told you earlier, I was shaking so hard, and I really attribute that to me trying to hold on to that steering wheel as hard as I could right. to have control. But I, in reality, nobody really has control when it comes down to it. No. You only control your actions. You only control who you are inside and your heart. And I found that out. Right. The other day. And I love myself. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's always good to know. <laughs> Um, yeah. Yeah, like you, you just, it's a lot to process. I mean, we take this life for uh, granted. And uh, I don't know, like, uh, I, it was times where, like, when we served together, I was coming, I remember, she was my supply sergeant, by the way, for those of you who know what a supply sergeant is. And uh, I was always coming to her for one reason or another, either be it advice or, uh, I don't know, like just like be it whatever. Like I was just always coming to her. I really wanted that flamethrower. It was on the books though. So I couldn't get that flamethrower because it was, it was definitely on the books. I just, I could never get it, you know? Yes. That flamethrower was gold up there. I love that thing. Yeah. Um, it jumped off the books though. Nice. Nice. Zombie apocalypse that's gonna come in real handy. So nice. That was amazing. I that's so funny. You remember that when I was moving from up there from uh, where we were Monterey right. to Sacramento. Yeah. I had the the other thing the AT4 inert uh, training one. Yeah. Up in my rafters in my garage, and when I was moving there to North Carolina, right. My friend that was helping move was moving things out of my rafters, and that fell on him, and he said. A rocket launcher just fell out of your rafters. I'm like, I don't have a rocket launcher. Oh, wait. <laughs> That's right. You don't have a rocket launcher. <laughs> yeah, I don't. <laughs> I really don't. Don't. That's damn right. Uh, it was so funny. I was like, oh, you civilian. <laughs> That's not a rocket launcher. <laughs> no. But, yeah. Like, uh, I, I was eyeing that thing hard. I was like, man. <sighs> <laughs> I actually, um, I met up with a, a gentleman down in the Hollywood area who does a lot of um, vehicles and everything for um, ex- like shows, I guess. Right. Uh, Mad Max and um, a whole bunch of shows. Um, nice. And I traded my flamethrower for a Humvee. Nice. That Humvee maybe you've seen? Yeah, I yeah. traded my, that for the Humvee. That's not a bad trade. That's not a bad trade at all. No, no, no. Yeah, the, I think the last movie it was on was American Sniper. Nice. And then they got retired because it was oh, too yeah. long for a film. <laughs> Hell yeah. I like it. That was a good trade. Yeah, it was great. And then... Um, yeah, I got, I got on that one. <laughs> and then there was this uh, one time. I don't even remember now. I just remember the outcome of what was going on. I don't know what happened before I came in there, but I was going to the oh, supply gosh. room. I was going to the supply room. I was just like, I need to ask her for this and this, whatever it was. And... That damn stool was in there getting the business, and I was just like, you know what? I'll come back okay, later. Okay, what happened was, what had happened was, <laughs> the stool would not fall down. Right. I was done with the stool. It would not fall down, and I had lost my patience. Like I said, trying to be in control. Right. Full circle on that one right there. I see that. And 
I could not get it to go. And I just, my temper, and I just went to town and started to, I guess, smash it at that point. Oh, yeah. Or tried to close it, really. <laughs> and I jumped And there you are, standing there very, very confused. And the thing you say to me was, I will come back later. I'll come back and later. And the look on your face. You, you was busy. Look, you was busy. There was some stuff going on that you needed to work out with that stool. And I wasn't going to interfere. I was going to let you have your peace. And uh, I don't know how long you were staying there. I was standing there probably from start to finish. I, I believe I came in right around. Fuck it, you fucking piece of shit. <laughs> fucking stool. Um, You're going to fucking close or I'm going to fucking turn you into firewood. You, yep. Oh, my yeah. goodness. And then I was just like. Oh, okay. And then at that point, it was something. Ooh. Joe Joe had sent me. Matter of fact, rest in peace, Joe. Um, but Joe had sent me to to you to get something. And when I came back, he was wondering why I was empty handed. Like he was like, "So what's up?" And then I was just like, "She's going through something right now." <laughs> like, that's all I can say. I was like, "She's going through something right now," and he's like. <laughs> Oh, that's He's cool. like, well, go, go you know get what it. Now, I have to show you because I learned my lesson. Yeah. This is so much easier, by the way. Okay. I told you I have a stool. Okay. This is a metal stool now. Nice. Right? It cannot break in my power, and it just folds down with like a click, and I get just there's one button on that thing. <laughs> I just click it back together, and it's so easy and done with. Hey, now I have go. to worry about it. it. Doesn't break. It just does what I tell it to do. Everybody's good. Woosa. We we back like cause yep. man, <laughs> hey, it was violence incarnate that day, man. And I was just like, I was like, I'm not even finna go over there. Look, I'm sorry, not even being racial, but if this were a scary movie situation, I'm smart enough not to put myself in that. Like I was telling somebody before, I was like, man, you put you me. You mean the first to die, right? I'm trying to tell you, you put me in a scary movie situation, man. Like. The movie's over in like a minute. It's not gonna the the movie ain't finna go past the opening credits. Like it's like I see this is a bad situation. I'm out. I don't need to even be there. Yeah. See, you're smart. You're a smart one. Yeah. You would you would live. And what the funny thing is, when I went back to that stool, like yeah. later on in the day, I was still sitting there, and I yeah. didn't want to go over there to it. There was a note from you uh, that really from stool. <laughs> from the Please stool. Please don't hurt me. That's it. Please don't hurt me. That's From it. stool. Yeah. Just right there on the top of it. Yeah. I laughed so hard. I'm I was like, there's only you. one person that I know put this on here. I'm trying to tell you, man, that stool, it, it had, had its feelings hurt physically and emotionally. It didn't want to be hurt no more. So that's it. Oh. And you know what? It still stood strong. I think that they still have that stool, by the way. They and probably it's been, do. what, 10 years? They probably do. They probably do got it, yeah. They probably do. Like, they're not going to get rid of that thing and survive me. I'm just, man, I was shocked that it survived you. But, yeah, no. Uh, it was so funny because Joe, Joe was just like, so where is, I forgot what it was that he asked me to go get, but he was like, so where is it? And I told him, I was like, you're going through something. And then he was just like, okay, I'll go get it. So I was like, okay, you do that. Again, if this is a scary movie starring an all-black cast, it might end differently. Because Joe took two steps. Joe took two steps. And then he turned around and he was just like, wait a minute. 
what was going on? Because you were gone for a minute, so what happened? And I was just like, I told him what happened with the stool. And I was like, so you going to go get it? And then he was like, I'll get it later. <laughs> That's what I was trying to tell you. Like, it'll, be a, it'll be a pretty open and shut movie. The shit wouldn't go past opening credits. I think that's when I put myself on timeout is that day. Yeah. Like, when I closed my cage door yeah. to my office, closed it, nobody was in there. And I think that's when Joe took a picture of me. He said, it was a really, you know, it's a really bad day when Cooper puts herself on timeout. That was the exact I, same day. It's not even a full door. It was yeah. just a cage. Yeah. It was just chain link door so you could see me. Yeah. People would still talk to me. But for some reason, when I closed that door, nobody talks to me. Hell no. Like, look. Walk on by. Look, you want what that stool got? No. So, look, <laughs> ain't, nobody, ain't nobody need to mess with you no more. And it day. worked. It worked great. Yeah. It was, it was shit. I was cool. Like, I ain't need nothing for the rest of that week. Like, I was like, man, fuck it. I'm good. I'm, I don't need nothing. Perfectly I felt so bad. I was like, just take whatever you want. Just take whatever you want. Just don't let that get out. But you know what? Now I think about it, I'm like, you know, nobody died. Nobody died. <laughs> like, no. The stool, like I say, it didn't even die. It was injured. It didn't die, though. So. Oh, my gosh. Just thinking about it, I'm getting hot. I'm getting red. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was so angry just because it wouldn't close. It was something so simple and so stupid. Yeah. It wasn't like it needed to close right then and there. No. I just walked right to close. It's like, oh, no. Yeah. Yeah, I'm working on that. I see. <laughs> But um, what are uh, if you feel like sharing? What are what are some times that before you know prior events that happened Friday? What are some times you felt yourself go into like uh, dark places? I'm sorry. What was that? What are some times you felt yourself go into like dark places? Oh, well, I. I consider myself a pretty openly emotional person and mm-hmm. um, I didn't used to be um, for a very long time. I don't know if that has anything to do with like how I was raised or um, too much of something or too less of something or anything like that. But I do know I became very, very um, not necessarily like emotional, but um, more open and, and, um, outgoing and everything after I I guess you could say I became very very quiet after Iraq and um, yeah. secluded and yeah. I went in 2003 so that was pretty much in the beginning yeah, it was we were as the second yeah. yeah behind the the Marines so we were very I think I was like early at on. the tail end of the third uh, wave going in Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah and I was a gun. <laughs> yeah. So I was up there, and we didn't have any up armor. We didn't have anything. We had soft shell mm. everything, and we didn't get any armor. I was about to say that shit, because I went in with the armored vehicles, and that shit was still rough, so I can only imagine. Like, <laughs> fuck. And now that I think about it, that's crazy. Like, yeah. I was up in the turrets with none of the stuff you see today. Right. Like in the, even in the movies now, it's all retrofitted and everything. Yeah, they, in the movies no- they make it seem like, oh yeah, everything's like this. You're all safe, and it's like, nah, I've been over there. I know better. Yeah, they. I think they forgot. Like, I mean, there are some movies that still portray like 
what we did in the beginning. But not no. very many. A lot of them show the up armor. A lot of them show like how protected we are and everything. But right. we didn't make our doors for a lot of that time. We just threw them off. Yeah. Because it was easier to get out and everything if something happened. And, like if the ID hit us, mm-hmm. it was, we had sandbags in the bottom of the vehicle. Yeah. We had literally like like stuff just everywhere inside. Sometimes there would be a grenade that would just roll around. I'm like, oh, that's mine. Grab it and pick it up and nothing. (laughs) It's it's not funny. (laughs) It's one of those types of things where you have to live it and experience it to appreciate it. So, like, I promise you, everyone. That's the crazy part about it. We're not psychotic. That was okay then. That was normal. Like, there's a picture of me just dirty and like just a mess and we had plywood on the inside on the top of our Humvee right. holding up the roof because all of our gear was on top of the roof of this Humvee. Right. And I'm not talking at 11, what, 62 or 1097. I'm talking a 998 Humvee. Oh, shit. The bare minimum Humvee that barely went 40 miles an hour. You were not really escaping. Yeah, I was to say, you weren't escaping the- shit at 40 miles an hour. Like, it's like, okay, well, you get out and run, yeah. you might do a little bit better. <laughs> I was yelling at my driver, go faster. He's like, I'm flooring it. Like, it's yeah, kind of like a movie scene. I was, yeah, like, pretty much. Yeah, go as fast as I can. Like, oh, goodness. And I, I'm i not even kidding. Our star major, he was the scariest person alive. Like, he scared me, but he was the coolest guy ever. Our speech wasn't like, you guys are going to do great things and go on and, you know, be these great, you're going to help. No. He told us, saying on the back of a striker, look like a movie scene. I loved it. Right. Somebody's going to die tomorrow. Be prepared. Be ready. That kind of speech. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, we got chill. I got chills just talking about it. But he looked magnificent. He, I believed everywhere he said it. And then he said that. And I was like, oh, shit. Oh, <laughs> but it was cool. Nobody died that day. Right. It was fine. He, he just wanted people to be like, he, it was a dose of reality that day. And it was hardcore. Like, this guy, I think he went Delta Force after that or something. Was Probably. Him. He belonged there. He didn't belong with us at that moment. Like, he he wanted something greater for himself, and he yeah. got it. But, dang, he looked great. Like, just, stand, like, it was kind of like a, like a uh, Independence Day speech oh, yeah. type thing. Okay. You're the one can talk to you about all that stuff. It's gonna happen to you. Like, right. It was amazing. And then was, somebody's happened. gonna die. <laughs> it's like, oh, well. Who said that? Shit. I'm like, can you say that? <laughs> this is not what I. Like, no, we came here to like be hyped up and right. like everything. I think that's yeah. the. It was cool. I think that's a major difference though in uh, in the military, our generation of the military versus. The yeah. current iteration of the military is, I think they're more catered to uh, this new generation of being PC, so to speak, like not using such harsh language and stuff and being more inspirational. Because when I, I was fresh out of basic, I think it was like our graduation day in basic. We were in the barracks and in like a few hours we would go out there. We... uh we, pre- we know we present arms and all that stuff. We do all this stuff, and then we graduate basic. Then we go to our family members and whatnot and spend a few minutes with them and blah, blah, blah. Basic training, Fort Benning. 
Then, while we're in there, before we even go out, our drill sergeants tell us that I ain't even going to lie to y'all, privates. So here's what's going to happen. Some of you are going to get deployed right out of basic. Like some, As soon as you guys get to your stations, you're going to get deployed. He called it. 100 billion percent true. Like, But regardless of that, he was just like, no, nah, I want y'all to look left, look right. And he was just like, I'm going to tell you just like this. Some of you are never going to see each other ever again. And I don't mean because you're going off for the life and doing great things. But I believe because uh, I'm telling you this because some of you are going to be dead. And I'm just, and all of us, similar situation, we were just like. Yes. You don't tell people that shit. <laughs> like, it's right, like. At least we have a little bit thick skin. Like, but right. I think that our generation has we're a little tough. So, yeah, we you know, like, had to be. We, we, have can, no, we can take it. Yeah, we ain't have no choice. Shit, it was just like, it's out there now. It's right? like, well, shit. It's like, yeah. all right. So, I guess that's yeah, the thing. I don't think... I, like, I was in um, basic training when September 11th happened. I was on the M16 qualifying range when we got pulled, and they told us that the Twin Towers had fallen. And oh, yeah, y'all going to war. Y'all going to war. Y'all need to know that all the time. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. Y'all going Most to fucking war. Loved it. They loved it. That was the whole, whole thing. Like that, our whole graduating class were told, "Y'all going to war." That's it. The that, training has. Finished. That's yep. it. That's all so you all need to know. Sign up for college. Yeah. And all that stuff. They got scared. <laughs> you sign up for this. I'm like, you are wearing the U.S. Army uniform. That's it. Like you're a soldier Isn't first. That you're supposed to do? Okay. Yeah, you're a soldier first. That's no how I, I, I. No, you. You absolutely that's how right. I you're absolutely right. You called it. Look, like, I don't know. So, I don't know any sane human being that would join the military in any country. The U.S. Armed Forces, the Russian Armed Forces, the Ukrainian Armed Forces, the Chinese Armed Forces, uh, any Armed Forces. Hell, the Middle Eastern militia and stuff, like, even their anarchists, like, any type of armed forces. I don't know anybody that goes into there thinking that. Oh, I'm just in here to be seen, get a cool uniform, get some cool, uh, you know, sweatpants and stuff. Uh, nice tracksuit. Them tracksuits was clean, though, I ain't gonna lie. But it, especially that last one, that black and yellow that they uh, put out, I like oh, that yes, shit. Oh, yes, yes, I like Sharp. that shit. But I'm just saying, though, like, you you don't go in there just to get that, that cool shit. Like, you go in there and you have a job to do. Your job, before even your uh, your MOS, your your primary job is to be a soldier. They teach you how to... That's why everybody has to qualify on a weapon. I was going to say, they teach you how to qualify on a weapon. They teach you basic, uh, you know, know-how and stuff. Uh, FTX and stuff. They teach you how to survive in the wilderness if need be because you might be grounded. Like, you never know. But they teach you basic things... So you can survive and primarily use damn near any weapon so you can destroy the enemy. That's it. Yes. And that is that is one thing that, that it, it really um, came to light to me there because our drill sergeant would go around asking almost everybody there, why did you join the army? Well, uh, for college or this and that. And then September 11th happened and our our class dropped by a third. I believe. I mean, they it. did have, they did have the people that had family that worked in the, in the towers, um, respectfully, um, right. leave because they, they had that um, emergency, of course. Right. Um, but the fallout of, oh my gosh, I think I made a mistake now. Yeah. And now I'm scared. This 
we're, we are actually going to be needed and go to war at that time, they hit people very hard and they just didn't want to do it. And by all means, please, please drop out then instead of later on when I'm counting on you next to me yeah. to help me with something on the road. Yeah. Please do that because um. there were times there in Iraq that I counted on other people and I am so thankful that they were there and yeah. ready, yeah. Um, especially as a gunner up there and for my driver that was helping us avoid other things in the road and, and everything. Like you really count on people to your left and right. And like I said, like, um, it's, it's amazing that we meet all these people and the best thing I ever, ever can take away from my experience is the people that I got to meet. And mm-hmm. wow, like it's been years. I joined in 2001 and already 22 and I'm still talking to people that I knew. It's definitely, uh, it's familial. It's, it's definitely a, um, a, a brotherhood and sisterhood. It's definitely, uh, it's a bond and I don't care what branch you are like it's a bond that you're you're uh, gonna share with people until the day you die like yeah it's because like you say you meet people and like your life is profoundly touched by those people yes yes and like it it's crazy because there's a lot of people that I meet who haven't served and they don't understand it. They don't understand how, if I get a call at who knows what time, I'm ready to answer that phone and talk for hours right. because my friend needs me to. They don't understand if I need to talk to somebody. Maybe they're not the person I need to talk to that moment. Maybe I need to talk to somebody else who understands a little bit more. It's hard for them to understand that we are a family. Right. And we will be for there for each other for a lifetime, really. Because when you, well, when I, I guess, really put my like life in somebody else's hands like that, yeah, or work so hard to make sure that everybody's taken care of in the unit, so it's it's hard to go. There's a bond there that like. It's, that's unwaverable. That's that is unshakable. It's something I would never ever trade for the world. Yeah. And I wish that people would just taste that for a little bit and just feel that kind of camaraderie, like just a little bit, and understand like if if we all had that for just a split second, I don't think there would be that much like arguing. Well, there might be a little bickering here and yeah. there, but oh my gosh, we get along so much better. Oh, yeah. We give each other a little like crap here and there, but if everything was like the military kind of bonds, man, that'd be so cool. Are these like are these, like an hour or so? Your shows are like an hour? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I really like that guy. Who was that guy that you had on with the that you you sent me the with the unicorn and everything? That was a deep about Roe versus or Wade. Bro, yeah. Oh, David. Yeah, David. Yeah. Yeah, he was he was good. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying, though, man. That's why I was like, I need to make sure my, my stuff's in order. Like, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> like, I can't be looking at the trophy and everything. 
No, David's David's definitely good. Um, a lot of the viewers and listeners they uh they like David, so uh I get him back. He's a reoccurring character every now and then, and uh, That's cool. yeah, and uh, I have I have people that are reoccurring characters and stuff. Um, I have people that are one-offs, like they say they want to do it, and then they're just like, all right, cool, it was a good experience, but you know. Uh, well, I'm retiring now. I have nothing to do. Like, I'm not working at a zoo anymore. <laughs> yeah, that was great. <laughs> so, yeah. I got bored. I'm like, I'm going to go check out the zoo. I ended up working. I didn't even work there. I didn't get paid. I, got, I volunteered. I got a t shirt. But, nice. like, I got to work with tires and all that. And then Tiger King came out, and I'm like, ooh, yikes. And I got <laughs> right? so much crap for that. Tiger King was, hey, I ain't gonna lie, man. I feel guilty. I feel so guilty because Tiger King was my shit. So. Oh, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And I'm working in a fucking zoo. <laughs> right. With tigers. Fucking Carol like, Baskins. These guys are <laughs> they might look a little narnard because they're rescues. They are rescue tigers. Right. 100%. I mean, some of them are like abandoned. Like, zoo tigers, or not zoo right. tigers, but like a circus, like. They're older, like, retired circus tigers and everything. Like, right. the guy that owned the zoo that I was the Bosley hair guy. The guy coming out of the pool right. with hair plugs. Okay. That guy, he, that was the guy that owned the zoo. Like, and he started this little thing, and it started with one monkey. He got, he won a monkey yeah. at a horse show, because right. he had showed many horses. Many. And he won a monkey. He said, what am I going to do with this monkey? What do people do with these monkeys? And then he started, he just started this whole rescue, it turned into a huge thing, which turned into a zoo, and it was, it was really cool. Okay. They had the world record, like, biggest, like, draft horse, and, right. a, like, a giraffe, like, kind of surprises people, because they don't think, think that the giraffe's gonna pop its head out of this thing, and, right. like, it, it's really, like, it's very hands-on, very close, like, um, experience, it really, is really neat. Heck yeah. And there was goats running around everywhere. I thought somebody had left the thing open when I went to go do my orientation. Right. Like, did somebody leave the goat pen, like, open or something? Like, oh, no, they're free, free range. Free range goats. Only in North Carolina do you find free range goats at uh, just a zoo, I guess. But I think it's different in California. I think very different in California. Like, you ain't going to find no free range. Uh... I... I moved back here, and I knew I made the biggest mistake in my life. East Coast is better. I drove to North Carolina, <laughs> took back to California, in three days, and everything got brown, hot, and ugly. Yeah. And I'm like, what did I do? East Coast And is... of all places, Bakersfield. East Coast, I mean, East Coast is where it's at. I can't help it. Like, it's, it's just... I know, I love it. I, I miss it. And I, I, I kicked myself in the butt when I, when I realized that you were just down, like, in Florida. And I was down in Florida a few times, too. Like, right. hanging out, feeding alligators and crocodiles, whatever the heck those things are. <laughs> alligators? <laughs> I mean, no, but man, I'm trying to tell you, like, it's so weird. Like, so, coming from Florida, born and raised, it's like this. I'll tell people. I was like, man, Florida is the Australia... Of the United States, um, it's oh beautiful, I and everything's great, and everything's lovely, but everything can kill you. Everything, like the air, everything can kill you. I got hit in the face with a tree, and I thought I was dying. <laughs> like I don't know what it was. 
found out later it was a palm tree. I don't know. Like, it's like, I felt like I got cut or something. I was like, oh, shit, it's trying to eat me. Florida's dangerous. That place, I love it. I love it, but everything's big. Everything's trying to eat you. Everything's hot stuck to you. Like, it is definitely an acquired environment. Yeah. Very acquired. How did you, how did you survive in Monterey? I don't know, man. Like, Monterey was so nice. Like, I don't know. Everybody was so nice. Like I told you, I thought people were plotting on me the whole time because I'm from, I'm from the East Coast. And I, you know, and people were like, you know, kiss my ass or go to hell or this, that, and the other. And just, hi, how are you doing? Hi, is everything? See, I found the opposite. I found that everybody was so much nicer on, on the East Coast, North Carolina. I don't know. I guess Florida people are kind of jerks sometimes. But like, yeah. North Carolina, I was like, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. Like, well, I think that's more, I think it's definitely more country in, uh, in North Carolina, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I came back with a Jeep Grand Cherokee a little bit hicked out. Yeah. Like, and I, I don't mean a little bit, like, people here saw it, and they're like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. I'm like, it's not a Jeep. They're like, that's not a Jeep. That's like, okay, like, what the, it's so hicked out. <laughs> I'm, I'll, I'll tell you the truth. It's so hicked out. I had it on the U-Haul trailer, like, towing behind another SUV, like, my stuff moving. Right. And my pig head, my pig mount from Trophy, was in the passenger seat of that Jeep that was on the trailer. Right. So, it looked like a dying dog could be in the in the, in the back of, in the seat of the Jeep. <laughs> so many people just stopped and stared at this boar's head in the passenger side of this Jeep. Like, what the hell is coming into our state? Luckily, the rental vehicle that I had, yeah, towing everything, had an Oklahoma plate. So I stopped in Oklahoma for gas. Yeah, they thought I was home. I fit so well in Oklahoma. <laughs> they thought I was moving home. Wow. And keep in mind, it was a random gas station. These people were sitting on the porch of this gas station, no front teeth. I was so like. Oh my god! No, <laughs> I am not. I am not from here. That's just the rental. But I didn't want to tell them I was moving back to Bakersfield either, because that might be worse. Yeah. Like you know. Yeah. Like that's. I I got a flat tire in Arizona on my trailer. Yeah, it was a horrible trip. Very horrible. So your karma flat and the universe you. and everything was trying to tell you on your way back, like, turn back now. Like, this is not what you want to do. Yeah, just don't do it. Go back to the green. Right. And I've never been through, like, almost, uh, uh, oh, my gosh, a big storm that comes in with rain and wind. What is that called? A hurricane. Not a tsunami. A, a hurricane. Okay, yeah. I've been through the hurricane when I first moved there. That was crazy, by the way. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Okay. When I, when I first when I first moved to California, I went through earthquakes and like the earth actually moving and shit. And yeah. I'm just like, wow. Okay. Like what? I don't I don't yeah. do that shit. Like a hurricane yes. ain't nothing. And but I was like, I am from California. We are not used to this whole hurricane. It was Hurricane Florence. It was like a pretty substantial one. Yeah. And people were boarding up windows and thing, and like, a couple of trees fell yeah. and everything like around me and. Luckily, my brother out there, um, he lived like 20 minutes away. I was so happy. I didn't even know where he lived at that point. Like, or his, like, I didn't, I totally forgot his wife was stationed on Fort Bragg. So I was like, right. you only live like 10 minutes away from me. 
what do you do in that situation? He's like, uh, party. Yeah, like, drink beer. What? Yeah. No! Like, I didn't know. What th- I was so lost. <laughs> I was so lost at that point. And then moving back, it was almost a hurricane. There was a huge storm. Yeah. Bentley came out and helped me move, like, drive, right? Right. He freaked out. He was like, do I pull over? Do I, what do I do? Like, like, do I stop? I'm like, turn the windshield wipers on. Like, I was so calm and collected. But I was a little, I didn't want to let him know. But right. I was a little nervous. Right. Because we, there was weight in the vehicles and everything. I was like. Well, two people can't be freaking out. Up. Not in that situation. Like, two people can't be freaking out. Come on now. Right? Like, I had to maintain. And usually, you know me and him, right? Like, yeah. one of us you know, freaking out, you yeah. know, or y'all, me y'all freaking out. Off, y'all feed off each other. Y'all play well off of each other's emotions. So, yeah. if both of y'all just said, all right, I'm going through it. Like, it's like, oh, no. Yeah. And he got happier the closer we got to California. Yeah. Yes. And I was like, this is shit. This yeah. is crap. This is where you're, what I'm coming back to. It's all brown. It's all dry. It's, it's gross. It's hot. Like, we stopped uh, at one rest stop, and I felt like I was melting, like, um, uh, that, what, that, what, what, oh, my gosh, I forgot the name of the movie, where he, like, m- like, molts in the, like, it's a cartoon. Um, Rango. 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 Okay, yeah, And yeah. he's a little gecko, and he starts to molt. Yeah. Or whatever, and like all of his skin in the heat. Like yeah. that's how I felt. Like, gosh, I, I was like, this is, this is horrible. <laughs> He's like, this is amazing. I'm like, no, like, where's the green? Oh, we don't have green anymore. Don't you remember? I'm like, no. <laughs> At least in Monterey, it was a little green. Monterey, a little, little bit nice. A little... I felt like Monterey was so, what's the word? Matrixy. Like, if that's not a word, I'm, I'm copywriting yeah, that now. Matrixy is now my word. Matrixy. That's it. So what? It's it. matrixy. Yeah, matrixy. Ma- Monterey was a lot. There, I'm trying to tell you, like, that shit was, it was fake. It was make-believe because, yes, there was green in Monterey. Monterey wasn't, like, deftly heated. Like, it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to die from this. It was pretty decent weather. Uh yeah. I don't know. And I don't we had Dr. Seuss trees. Yeah. Dr. Seuss trees. 100% Dr. Seuss trees. Yeah. And I was just like, okay, and this is weird. Do you remember my house? You came over a couple times. Like, my house was sand. That's how close we were to the beach. Yeah. yeah that's what I'm saying. Like, I had sand in my backyard. Like, it's kind of cool. But, yeah. like, wow. Like, we were so lucky to have, like, that was our place. Like, that was so cool. Yeah. And... I absolutely love when you, you and Joe would come come by and like hang out with us and everything. Oh, yeah. I actually have a picture of Mason wearing your Superman jacket. I have a few pictures of that. Love it. And then Autumn like hold like giving me a hug. Yeah, it was so cute. Oh. I was like, I need some of this to him. I you should. like it. I like I would like that. Dude, okay. how is how like, oh my god, I feel like they're huge now. Like Do you see the picture of Autumn, dude? I did. I feel old. She's a full grown person. She's taller than me. She's like five seven, five six, five six seven. She's tall. She's beautiful. She still has that kind, beautiful, bubbly heart. She's a little. She's, she's a little still... dwarf. You still. She's a midget. She does not. Uh, she's not allowed to grow a certain age. That's what I said. I'm like, you're not allowed to do this. You're not allowed. To... And I'm like trying to push her down, push her right. down. I'm like, no, no. Yeah. There's no stopping it. There is no stopping it. Shit. And Mason. You know how he was like, oh, well, small little buff dude? Yeah. Yeah, no, he, he's finally getting taller. 
And he tried to, oh my gosh, he tried to do the whole Justin Bieber long hair thing for a little bit. <laughs> it was not working for him? He's like, look how long it is. And he's like trying to pull it down as hard as he could. I'm like, no, please, let's just cut it. Let's get a haircut. Yeah. No, I was trying to give him, I gave him his like little mohawk, like as long as I could possibly like do it. And then he's like, no, I don't want that. I want to, I want to grow it out. I'm like, No! No, 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 we're not doing that. You are not growing your hair out. But I let him. He learned. And that was that. And that was that. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, um, like, come on, you look sharp. You look good. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, but circling back around, uh, so circa 2003, you get back from Iraq or Iraq. So changed you. And you were... Um, yeah, I... I... I was on a, a extension team. Um, right. We were alone. Um, we were on a, not a fob, but a cob. Like right. it was just me um, and my team. So it was me, myself, um, oh, me myself. No, but myself, my two soldiers. Right. <laughs> <And> then, <laughs> me, myself. You already going. You already me going bad right there. Look, he's, she's like it was me, yeah. myself. Me, myself. Woo! It was yeah. two. Hey, it was two of you. <laughs> Two of us up there, all by ourselves. Oh shit! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was it was six from our unit. Usually, maybe maybe four or five. Right. But usually, it's supposed to, it's supposed to be six. Right. Um, three on each team, and then we had ten to fourteen mm-hmm. of infantry soldiers um, as security or. Um, they were field artillery, which turned into QRF. Right. And that was it. That, so we had 14, tw- maybe 20 people at most. 14 people. 20 people. Up on this little cob. Um, little shack. Um, I don't know if you've seen, like, The Hornet's Nest or, uh, like, anything, any of those types of movies. Um, they weren't as severe with, like, um, enemy fire or anything like that uh, as those movies. Um that's why they're in movies, but it was basically built as such. Like we were a communications outpost. Right. Um, we relayed communications from main post to every outlying doing missions and everything. Nothing can move without communications no at all. Yeah. Medivacs can't come in. And I learned the hard way how important that was. When, um, there was a mistake caused by not my team but somebody that was later right (laughs) that was later relieved um they made a mistake with the communications and somebody met a back that was just down the road and they couldn't reach him and uh they ended up driving up our hill and um talk about full-on reality hitting you right at the door they had just come from the the site Mm-hmm. Um, and they needed comms right, like right then and there, and we were right. We were the only ones in reach or or eyesight really, because comms were down down for the right. whole area. A mistake that um, I guess I still to this day don't really know, but I just did what I had to do, figured it out. They were able to call a medevac, and um, sadly, 
two lives were lost because of something that that COVID avoided. Yeah. Uh, I carry that. I carried that with me for a long time. Although it wasn't on me, I still carried that with me because I knew how to fix it. Right. I I felt like I didn't train my soldiers to know right away how to fix it. I don't know. I just felt like I, I let a lot of people down. I let the people down that, that passed away. I I didn't let my soldiers know that they could tell that person, no, they're not doing that because they don't have to listen to him. They take their orders from me. But you don't do that. I was a specialist as a team as a right. team leader. Yeah. Just me too. <laughs> For, like I got put in that yeah. position too. Yeah. And he was seven. And E seven comes in and tells my soldiers to do something. So they're gonna, they're gonna, of course, they're because they're respectful, of because they were taught how to be respectful. But that guy was not communications. He was a field artillery person coming in, who I later found out was put on that hill because they didn't want him down somewhere else because so, he was relieved from that job. I dealt with so a similar. I dealt with a similar person. Yeah. I dealt with a, but he was a he was a warrant officer, and. Uh, I'm not going to drop no names, but if you know, you know. If I got anybody that I serve with out there listening, and by me just mentioning that he was a warrant officer, they know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, he got placed with our outfit because nobody else wanted him. Yeah, I later found out that he also pulled the team back. The, the, the entry and military guys that were up there, they do route clearance for mm-hmm. that road. Mm-hmm. He pulled the team back early, and the guys said that had been up there for a minute. Said, "No, we're supposed to go way up there." He said, "No, we're good." So that and telling my guys to do something that they're not supposed to do too early, it led up to mm-hmm. um, what it did. And sadly, like it was not good, of course. And um, I, I, I took that on personally. I took. A huge, huge, um, just burden on for a long time because the, the person that I saw at, at that doorway when I heard the, the Humvee running up was covered in blood. This person that I did not start to see at that door, I thought from this coming up as a, a supply run or something, but we did feel the, the impact. We felt the, um, the walls kind of cave in a little bit. I knew it was big. I said that was really close. So I looked out and I could see this cloud and I said that somebody was hit. Be prepared. And what was eerie that it was that there was no radio static. There was no, like, nothing. It was dead. I was like, this isn't right. And it was just a couple minutes later that he came up and ran to the door. I, since I was a team leader, met him at that, that front door and, um, it was not something that I was prepared for, right. especially that young. I I deployed when I was 20. I got back when I was like basically 22. Um, I remember my first sergeant when I turned 21, like two weeks after I got to Kuwait, um, before going into it. He gave me a quick beer. Remember the non-alcoholic beers? Oh, yeah. Like, Happy those, birthday. Those were god awful. <laughs> yes. Like, that was my 21st birthday out there. And um, I was young. I was in charge of a lot of things and I, I felt I let a, a lot of people down and um, 
I held those those deaths with me for quite some time. Um, and then I I got really quiet about it. I didn't I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't want to remember them. Right. Because I thought if I remembered them, I would it would haunt me. Right. It would it would it would I would have nightmares and I wasn't in therapy. I wasn't seeking help. I was suffering by myself. And that was very dark. I started to drink a lot. And when I mean a lot, I mean a lot. And point <laughs> one. Right. Yeah. 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 If I stopped, I would have seizures. And, and yeah, it was, it was pretty bad. And that was the only thing that I knew what to do. Because I didn't know how to process that. I didn't know how to talk about it. I didn't feel safe talking about it because we were told just check yes, just say no, just do this and just get by. And and what's fucked up is like that's that is what a lot of people don't get is they get a pamphlet family members of people that are in the military uh, people that think they know about certain stuff but they don't know the inside of the beast they feel like oh well if something was wrong they wouldn't have let you come back home they would have got you help but like you just said they don't know that when you come back off that plane only thing they're telling you is yes 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 nothing's wrong with you you're perfectly fine go go home Right, and who doesn't want to go home right when they get right. get back? Right. When we land, we don't want to be there. We want to get home. Right. We want to be away from this for a second. Yeah. We don't want to do because as soon as you check the wrong box, you're stuck there for a minute. You yeah. are stuck going to a hospital. You're stuck getting checked out even further. Yeah. You are being seen for further evaluation. When really, just getting back, we yeah. feel great. We yeah. feel good. It's just a few weeks later or months or even years down the road that it really hits people and like it, it, it can hit people differently, of course. Right. Um, but I have never met somebody, I've never met somebody that has gone through an experience like that, that it hasn't affected. Right. One way or another. And even if they have a dream or if they just have some kind of emotion about a movie or, or something. Somebody will have a reaction if they've been through something like that. Mm-hmm. If they don't, you might be seen for that problem too. Like yeah. it, it'll, it, you know, it's a very fine line that we that we walk, and it it really took a lot out of me to um, admit that. I needed more than alcohol to uh, feel better, to to actually start feeling something again, to find words to express those feeling. I wonder why that's the go-to, like no matter what branch, especially for the Marines and the Army though, I wonder why that's the go-to medication, like it's like it's embedded in us, no matter, no matter, no matter, no matter what, yeah, no matter what, like you could, you could never have touched this stuff a day in your life. And if you're in the army, 
you're in the Marines. Yeah. Like that's like a go to. Like I need alcohol. I need some. I need something to drink. Yes, it's numbing. It opens your your inhibitions. Drop. Mm-hmm. You feel like you can be more open, but really that's just the alcohol. Like mm-hmm. you know, it's, your your reflexes have slowed. So, and then you can sleep. Mm-hmm. And it's easy to get. And it's legal. Facts. All facts. Yeah. And as long as you don't smell like it in the morning, you're fine. That's it. It's too easy. And it's it's very sad because there were times where I, even even getting back, I, I questioned it. I was, then, I was, I was like, I think I'm drinking too much. Like, it got, it got, I won't go into details, but right. I don't even think I should be here based on that. Just yeah. my action after getting back from Iraq, I didn't know that it was based on all of that. I felt invisible. I felt like I was still wearing that bulletproof vest. I felt like maybe that should have been my time or or something. Yeah. I wasn't sure. I was so confused. But then at the same, I didn't have kids either. Then I, I was at a very strange time in my life where I had just done all of that and came back to what, really? I came back to nothing. Yeah. I came trying to build my life after all of that. And yes, granted, I did a couple more years in and um, trained more soldiers before, you know, that you went off again to, to Iraq again, um, shortly after that. And then I ETS'd. Um, I had Autumn. Um, strangely, small world, right? <laughs> right. Um, just, um, my, my kid's dad, he was on one of, like, the security teams. Right. He was in that convoy that was hit. He was the command driver of that convoy that was hit, and he was one of our security guys that was up on the hill. He remembers seeing me. He remembers my attitude up there. He remembers, like, seeing me the first time, and he said, you were some crazy woman up there coming out there. You brown T-shirt, PT shorts, and flip-flops. Like, you ran that place. I was like, well, I fucking did. That's right. (laughs) I mean, you have to, and you, like, who calls a formation up there for 14 people, and you don't want to pull attention to yourself up there. You don't want to do that. Right. I was like, you're, whoever pulled that formation was dumb anyways. I was like, but you were Yeah. And you stood out like a sore thumb up there with your arms all crossed and everything behind us. Like, yes. Oh my gosh. I cannot believe it. I was like, it was kind of strange. I was like, well, I was off duty at that time. Right. And And, um, (laughs) we got back and, it was a. Uh, I had I had autumn and uh, was a stay home mom for about a year. They like I was like, let's do that. Right. And um, then joined the National Guard up in Santa Rosa. And I was a medic up there, and then uh, another supply position, nine two alpha, logistics supply. Um, but really, the training NCO like um, up there. Mm-hmm. And then the orders right. for Monterey, <laughs> and then because the the unit up there was like supposedly uh, closing down and jang out, and uh, they gave me the 
option because I found that they weren't actually closing down. Right. Well, you got orders already. You either stay, and keep in mind, Santa Rosa is my hometown. Santa Rosa right. unit is right behind the high school that I graduated from. Right. My hometown, I was living in the house that I grew up in right. up there. Or you have Monterey orders, which scared me. I was I had just moved, really. I was like, I was in all of this that I know, the, the familiar, familiar, really. Right. And I took a chance. And I said, I'm going to go. I'm going to go to Monterey. And then they put me in supply. <laughs> and I warned them. I warned them. I said, I have no idea what to do with supply. Right. I have I'm communications. I'm medic. I have all this other stuff. But supply? No idea. Right. I know supply sergeants, and I don't think I could do what they do <laughs> at all. <laughs> and uh, I believe it was Sergeant Joe Serrato at the time. He was working yeah. there. He said, well, I think you could do it. Do you know me at all? I think you do, Master Sergeant. Like it was very intimidating. It was it was very uh, ch- challenge really. I walked into that place and I you did fine. Wanted to make it. You did. Fine. Did I? Yes. Oh my gosh! Thank you so much. You I wanted fine. you guys to be so happy. I <laughs> wanted to make sure that you guys had everything that like you needed and more. And oh my gosh, I I tried my darnest to like spoil you guys like just a little bit like it, it was it was definitely it was it was perfect trust me it was perfect. and then they get like a happy not happy environment but like you don't have to be scared to walk in but be warned right. do not piss cooper off like, oh always always look I'm, yeah that that came across <laughs> in space like we knew that it was just like yeah no. so yeah like don't piss me off and if your name's on the list which is my my bad list like you right. need to sign your records and all that stuff yeah don't ask me for anything. At all. Yeah, I was told I was too nice. I was told I was too nice. <laughs> no. Like, oh my goodness. No, I didn't I didn't I didn't get that. You were nice, don't get me wrong, but like too nice? No. I think it was because I was getting everybody stuff that like a lot of other supply sergeants didn't think about. Like they're like, Oh my gosh, how did, why did you why? I was like, Well, this is why or you know, like if our guys shoot great on the range this is their incentive. Like, right. they get a weapons tool. I'm not, Whatever. I'm like, not I gonna, wanted to make you guys feel Yeah, like, I'm not going to shit on other supply sergeants, especially now that I'm not even in anymore. I'm not going to shit on other supply sergeants. But I think they did, like, the bare minimum. Or, you know, they half-assed it. Like, they, they showed up. They, uh, they signed papers here and there. They made sure inventory was straight. And they went, you know, they went on about their way. They didn't, they didn't try to... You you tried to work for your unit. You tried to work for your you know. Your oh, you didn't. like I didn't want to go home late. Like like you guys didn't want to go home late. Like I I worked for you guys because I knew if I worked for you guys, you guys would work for me. Hell yeah! It was a very like give and take, and everybody wins. And like I was taught by great people. I had great leaders. I was very very fortunate, and I took from them what I hoped to even train like. You know, my soldiers, when, when I had them, I told them one day, I train you guys, not not to harp on you or anything, but I train you guys to take my job one day. Right. Because one day, you'll be taking somebody else's. And I think that that resonated with them a little bit. Mm-hmm. And they looked at things a little bit different. Like, maybe, like one of my soldiers, the, the armor, <laughs> he kind of snapped into gear. 
he was denied promotion only because some paperwork was wrong. Right. It's the little things that you can do that takes care of your soldiers. Fix that guy's paperwork. A follow-up on that soldier because I got her, him promoted right away. Right. He he became the best soldier ever. Like, right. he worked so hard. Then he became, um, he worked, started to work with the state shortly after that. Right. After. Something so little, and it doesn't take very much effort for an, like somebody to, to, to help out. Like, you don't have to be their squad leader. Like, you could be their friend and be like, wait, something's not right. Like, right. and just step in and, like, it makes the world of a difference if you changed that person's world. Just, I don't know if that makes sense, but, like, it. It does. It's just something so small. And it, it helps you, too. Like, it, in the end, if your soldier's happy, or if your peer is happy, everything gets done faster. Everything is, is lighter everything is work done harder like you can ride them hard and put them away wet and they'll still want to work for you that's a horse thing by the way like (laughs) hey i was gonna let you go look i'm not gonna even lie i tried to listen i tried to just Stay a straight face. Look, I look. I tried to. I tried to be as straight faced about that when you made that comment as I could because I was like, I I was like the people listening. I was like the people listening. We're gonna glaze over that like that shit ain't it. You ride a horse. It's a horse thing. There you go. Oh, I just got super hot red. It's straight. I don't think I've ever seen you blush either. <laughs> I'm trying to tell you, man. Like, look, they gonna look. They get it if they you don't. I'm not the not person who ever said that in the military. My battalion commander at a meeting said that in front of like a bunch of our command command team. Yeah. He said that in front of everybody. We kind of looked at him a little crooked. I'm like, I get it, sir. I totally get it. Because we're horse people. And then I'll say, did everybody so, look at you when you said, "I get it"? Everybody was like, "Oh yeah, you you know you know what he's no, talking about." He thought. He, he read the room. He read the room, like, and you can see on his face, like, I don't think I said that right. And I'm like, mm. <laughs> and he's like, okay. <laughs> we kind of gave each other a little nod. Right. I guess horse people would understand. Like, yeah. just, you say weird things. You yeah. say weird things sometimes. It's fine. Hey, it's cool. You know, I'm with it, though. I'm, I'm with freedom of expression. And you realize what you said, you're like, oh, wrong, wrong crowd. <laughs> wrong crowd. But, you know. Um, but it's the same, it's the same idea you if you if they work hard and you and they feel like they've done something and they've accomplished something, they want to come back and they'll do more. And right. that's the best part. I love seeing everybody's faces like when they came back. People were, were asking if I had ruined my unit like or my my section because they wanted to come work with me. They wanted right. to help. They wanted to 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 be a part of the atmosphere that was created in there. Right. And it wasn't just me that was doing it. It was me allowing my soldiers to. To be a part of it too, right? Not being the really hard person that some some leaders like to, to take, you know, take on or whatever. But like affection and whatever and all that stuff. Yeah, I, yeah, I had that, but I also expected great things from you if yeah. they they were in that that section with me. And by darn it, we did accomplish it. We got best in state with a lot of things. We, we did great. We did great things. Yeah. Like we had a great team. Oh yeah, and. That was probably, I, I have to say, through my whole career, that was probably the best team I ever had was, was there Aww. with those soldiers. And and you, like, and you and Joe, like, everybody coming in, just, 
I mean, give me crap about everything a lot, but like that was the environment that like I fostered that I like appreciated because it was awesome. Like I didn't want people to, I wanted to be approachable. Right. So at one point I was, was not approachable. I scared people at one point. Yes. One of my daughters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, yes. I was kind of shocked when somebody told me that like, they didn't want to talk to me because of my face. I had this rusting, just crazy look on my face. Like I would bite somebody's head off. Yeah. I didn't realize that for the longest time. Like I just would have this, this angry look. Yeah. It was, I wasn't angry. I just, I guess had this mean look. Yeah. And like, well, that's not me, but I wore it really well. There so I wanted to make sure that people knew that they could talk to me. And, uh, it turned out really well. Like, we had people just coming in on orders. Joe would come in on orders a lot and, yeah. and help out. And he was so much fun. And you too. Like, yeah. it was so funny to have you guys in. It's like, you would surprise us all the time. And just, he would clean my desk of all things. Like, if I'm in most immaculate supplies of all the state. Yeah. But he'd clean my desk. If I'm in there on orders, you damn straight, bro. If I'm on orders, like, I'm, I'm making that check, like, for real. What am I going to do? Just sit around and not do shit? Like, uh, no, I had shit. Yeah, it was so awesome to have you. Like, it was, it was like, it, I didn't have to tell you guys what to do. No, I just You guys weren't like, yeah. it was like, um, I don't know, we're all adults, right? Like, you guys just knew if something was a mess, like, just help clean it up or whatever. Right. But you guys were smart enough to ask me, yo, does this go here? Right. Before I freak out and everything and, and then everything just comes unraveled because everything has its place because right. I had OCD and all that but it was amazing how we all worked together as a, as a team and I like I said earlier I wish people had just a little glimpse of that once in their life just that heck yeah that, that feeling you can rely on this person and they have your back and I had so many inspections that relied on people that came in on orders, mm-hmm. and I I was basically carried by by people coming in like that. And there was a handful of people that I would choose, like because like they knew that um, what to do, really, you know, like and, and my my pickiness and all that, and I, I trusted them. 100 percent that we would be amazing during inspection because i had them on my team at that point and damn it we won like when i say we won i mean we were on the top top yeah of that lift every time i mean like they i didn't have coins for kids we were doing it safe too by the way (laughs) safety I didn't know that was a thing. Like, I, yeah. I know it was a thing, but, like, I didn't really give awards for being, like, the safest in the state. Like, not that. Like, that was amazing. Hell, yeah. But I don't remember if you were there, but we had the NGB team from Washington, D.C. come, the clerk team. I was when they came through, yeah. Yeah. That day they came to the inspection was my report date for school. So they had to inspect me, and I had to go to phase two of my 19. I was not even... Uh, like qualified right. in 1980 yet in supply. Um, they kind of look at me a little sideways because the very first question on the inspection is, is the personnel qualified as a 1980? Right. And I said, well, here's the thing. Today is my report date. So 
You may Can we call. hurry this along? Right. Yeah, they kind of laugh at it, and we walked around the back, like around the shelves area, remember? And the, one of the inspectors from Washington, D.C., they've been doing this for about my 20 years, said that they had never seen a supply room that great, like that in order, that great. Right. And they're, they're years of inspecting. And I didn't know how to take it. I thought it was cool. Right. Like, okay, it's 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 looking. They inquire about the flame door. Huh? Did they inquire they were like, but what's up with the flame? <laughs> yeah. Well that's when like she she another chief like came in from like say like what do you do? Like what do you do you want to become a warrant officer? I'm like, Whoa, can I go to school today first? Can I please go to school? And then another person came in like, you know, we have officer positions. I'm like, No, 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 I don't wanna stay in NCO. Right. I, I need to work on this first like let me learn the job first because they were right. they were like how did you learn I'm like i taught myself there's a whole lot of things you can learn by yourself if you really just apply apply yeah. yourself and people i don't think apply themselves a lot with anything anymore like like really really apply themselves right like remember when you were training for and we're working i cannot bring this up but um, you would tell me, okay, do this for three minutes or whatever. Like, yeah. And at first, I thought you were crazy. Yeah. I'm like, okay. Even that, you have to apply yourself if you want results. Right. You have to apply yourself if you want to see that 100%. You know, right. close 100% on that inspection. You, it's all about giving, 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 giving. And... It takes a special person to give a lot right. and not expect. Because I didn't expect to see results. I wanted results. I didn't expect it. But I realized it is what I give in. I wanted to, to get the best in state, but I didn't think I would. But when I got it, I was even more overjoyed. It was. It's really about giving and applying yourself. And it took me a long time to learn that, too. Oh, yeah. I was a stubborn little kid. I was so <laughs> stubborn. I was stubborn as a teenager. My mom, my mom will tell you. Oh my gosh! But and just realizing it in the accident, like my very last thought was for somebody else. Yeah. My very last thought wasn't about me. And like I said, if that doesn't show you what like what my heart somebody has, like yeah. I, I, like you can't really tell, say that unless you go through that. Like you can't yeah. really know who, who, what kind of heart really comes out, what, what shows until you have that kind of experience. And I guess people who who've been there can understand that in a way. Like when you when you know, you know, and what you see is what you see, and right. what is revealed is either a harsh reality or confirmation of who you are. One hundred percent. Um. What are some points in your life uh, doing some of your your dark times where you, how do I say it, seen um, the effects that what you were going through affecting those around you? Um, I, I don't, I 
know I know I didn't bring this up because this is also it's, it's a very and if you don't want to talk about it that's fine too I'm going to you know why because I can now okay um and I'm not scared of my truth there but I was a oops I was in Monterey actually mm-hmm. um I think you were still there I probably was and uh I tried to commit suicide there. I was in a very dark place because of uh, something so stupid. But then, at that point in my life, it was very, very big. I didn't, like I said, I didn't have the tools, the knowledge, or the wherewithal to process what was happening. I was going through a um, breaking point between me and my kid's father. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were together for many years, of course. So, like, it was very hard. I was just moved from uh, the next town over on, on on base there and by myself. Like, he had taken the kids because we agreed that he was going to take them back up to Santa Rosa mm-hmm. um, to be with their nanny for a couple months until I got settled, really. I was alone. I was very much just lost. Um, I ended up in the hospital. I should not have been alive the next day either. Um, The next day I woke up and Dozer was nudging at me and trying to get me, like, my dog. I remember Dozer. Dozer was a great puppy. Yes. Yeah. Um, I couldn't walk. I had lost um, balance. I had, it was was absolutely horrible. Um, I smashed my phone so I couldn't call anybody. That was, um, it was very, yeah, I don't know if, if you heard of that. I think I try to keep that to myself back then because I, I wasn't ready to tell anybody or share because I, I, I went through a lot of things after that. But um, I heard about it, but I, I didn't I didn't feel it was my place to bring it up um, until you were ready to talk about it. I, it was never my place to talk about it. Years. I'm trying to tell you, it was never my it was never my place to, to put you on the spot and question you about it. Like if you wanted to talk about it, fine. Um, if you never wanted to talk about it, that was also fine. There was nothing, you know, it didn't change like I think our our where we were. I think it was because it was a moment of weakness for me and I don't like feeling weak. Right. You know, I, I was always strong for everybody else. I was always a rock. I was always a foundation that people can rely on, and, and you know, and that was a low, really weak spot for me. And I don't, I didn't like to admit that I was there, but that's like the, the one thing that I learned that I needed to do was admit that I was not strong, and and I had breaking points, and it was okay to ask for help. I just didn't know then, um, and I. <laughs> There was no reason for me to be be here even then. So the, actually, this was like my third chance. Really, like I just I don't know. I think I'm testing somebody up there or something. Like <laughs> I might be a a cat or something in this life. I have no idea. But this was this is insane. When I think about it, like what am I thinking? Um, there, and I I took that as I guess you learn something every time or whatever or whatever you want to call it 
every time that you feel like you you shouldn't be there, mm-hmm. take that as a sign to make it better because it helps everybody around you. It makes a positive impact. It the the, the butterfly effect, 100%. a single drop somewhere. Yes, like it can affect so much. Um, I became like a speaker at AA. I became a motivational speaker at some local schools. I um, started to write and prepare therapy sessions for other doctors that I was later seeing because I had so much material from all of my learning of sessions, of therapy, of coping skills, of using the right words to right. express yourself again yeah. that I then gave to other doctors then gave to other patients of theirs mm-hmm. and they came back and said it was amazing to see that person um, just open it again like right. just because of that, that spreadsheet I gave them that just you don't use the word angry use this word instead yeah. of angry and it was hard it's so hard to not use angry yeah. but you can say trap frustrated yeah. because I I'm 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 cut off from this or I you, but you can't use angry that's very hard to do yeah everybody wants to say pissed or angry yeah because you you ask even like people that haven't been through what we've been through if you ask someone um why are you angry or stop being angry like don't get upset don't be angry like that person could have went from a zero and now you got them in a six automatically. They haven't hit 10 yet, but you got them in a six automatically because it's like, I wasn't angry, but because you're saying that I'm angry, I'm now becoming angry because you're not lit. You feel like, like you say, you feel cut off. You feel like what you're saying isn't even coming across. And it's like, I'm upset now. And it's, it's, it's getting, I'm getting angrier. You're trying to make me angry for some magical breakthrough when I'm trying to give you, yeah, I'm trapped. Yeah. I'm trying to give you the keys right now of what's going to help you get that breakthrough without pushing me to that point because now you're making me not want to trust you with anything else that I have to say. It's a volcano. Yeah. Because the more and more it gets built, built, it Mm -hmm. just explodes at the end. And that was me. I was like a huge volcano just full of anger, but I didn't know how to express it. I didn't know how to turn that anger into words to tell people how I was feeling, even though I knew what I was feeling. It was so simple as just telling them, yo, I feel cornered right now because of this. Right. You're, you know, don't say you too much because then they'll feel attacked or whatever. But I feel cornered because I'm not used to, to this. I'm not used to these questions. Or, yeah. or There's so many ways to express yourself and I could not know that. And I think it changed so much for me just to be able to use different words than angry or pissed and then feel that volcano build and build and build and before I just exploded and I feel sorry for that stool that it got of that one for sure <laughs> that poor stool but yeah it's <laughs> very important like, I, yeah I didn't know the value in me like the, the true that like just words carry such great things like, yeah. and that's why I don't like to call people names. That's why I don't like to, to say harsh things to people because I know how much value are in words. Yeah. And they can destroy somebody or they can build them up and lift them up. And like, 
the sticks and stones are going to break my bones, the words will never hurt me. That is not true. No. That's very not true. Not at all. That's the furthest from the truth, because like, words are probably the strongest thing that we have. Time is the most valuable, right. but words are the strongest. Oh, easily. You can build up someone into a god, or you can turn someone into a devil purely off of words exactly. alone. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, even yourself. You yeah. can talk yourself into being great, or you can talk yourself into being evil. Absolutely. Very absolute. Um, and uh, last key point here. Coming on the other side of what's happened to you recently, what are, what are uh, the major takeaways, your viewpoints on life now coming on the other side of your uh, accident recently? Oh my goodness. Um, I think so when the gentleman that stopped to help open those doors um, with force, it wasn't very easy to open that, that door. Uh, it was almost like baptism by steel. Yeah. Um, your baptism by fire, but thankfully that car was not on fire. Right. Um, like a new chance, I guess, or it was, I thought I was dreaming a little bit because people were running to me and I wasn't expecting it. Like I, I almost thought that, well, this isn't the heaven I thought it would be like, right. this isn't what I'm, it's supposed to be. Like, that's kind of what I, I mindset I was in. I was like, okay, this, I'm still alive. So what next? It was very um, hard to, grasp at first but it's again it's very fast in reality but in your mind when you're there in that moment it's you're thinking of all this stuff um i can't say you i'm, I'm i mean like me of course but i understand uh, what you mean by you yeah I started, you're speaking of yeah, you in a third started, person like, yeah i understand 100 yeah. percent. i started to like um see if i could touch my fingers and see if i had feeling in my fingers i started to wiggle my toes see if i could wiggle my toes when I realized I couldn't couldn't really move my legs was when I started to um, kind of get concerned. Like I knew the car was messed up, and the airbags had deployed, and it was not looking good. But when I couldn't move my legs, was when I started to wonder, oh, is this what happens when people say they didn't know that they were pinned because of the adrenaline? It's something Russian, you know, they, they say they didn't know that happened because of the adrenaline or, or the shock. Right. I started to worry that I was in shock. I started to, to think that my leg was gone. Honestly, I didn't want to look down. Um, and that was very humbling because I didn't realize, uh, how much I valued a leg. I would think sometimes like, oh, that would really suck if I lost this leg or eyesight or hearing or, or something like I didn't think I truly valued what I had been thinking. Um, I, I have been thinking a lot since then about reacting to things too. Like, it's very strange. I know that I can't control Again, I go back to this control thing because of the whole steering wheel, and mm -hmm. it's, it was very much a uh, 
manifestation of what I had to go through some time of losing people. Right. I can only control how I react. And recently I've been just partly because I forgot those words. Didn't want to use them. Didn't think they were necessary anymore for a present time. Again, I am now out of the military. I used all the tools while I was in a lot more, of course. Um, I'm still in therapy and everything, but I am right now. I'm, I'm just trying to find those words again right. and remind myself that just because you're not in the military doesn't mean you're less of a person. And right. all of that is a whole different like path you have to take after you get out and everything. So right. I didn't want to use those words anymore. Like it didn't think I didn't think that they, they matter. So I was filled with rage and, and bitterness. And um, when I felt like I didn't have control of anything, that's how I, I would react uh, out of anger, which again I'm not supposed to say, but right. um, I didn't know how to do anything else at that point. Uh, since the since the accident, I have become more aware of and we did it was only Friday of that person that I was before Friday mm-hmm. I did not like I look back I don't even recognize that person that person was somebody that I it made me sick to my stomach to think that that was the same person right I was trying to control things with my fists like I said instead of controlling my own heart I am stronger and heart than I am with my fists. And I forgot that. Yeah. I know that like my heart is so strong and I was becoming weaker and weaker the more I use my fists to, to express that. Yeah. And it was very, it took a concrete pillar <laughs> to realize that. Yeah. And I, it's not like a, I know it sounds like so like just generic and everything, but wow, just it's, it is very eye opening. Yeah. It's very, very, and I don't know if everybody that goes through something like this experiences something like I have, but maybe the timing was right. Maybe, maybe that pill was meant for me that day. Well, it definitely has my paint on it. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. But yeah, um, yeah, I think definitely it's, uh, especially from what we spoke about earlier, um, prior to the show, is filled you with a newfound uh, appreciation and approach um, into how you approach your life as well. Uh, and and taking things, as we both said throughout this uh, this episode, taking things less for granted and and just really truly appreciating every every moment every breath of life yeah like you said you you thought you would always have time there's yeah. never gonna be enough time yeah you, you there'll always... never be enough time because if your heart is big enough 
it's never gonna end. Right. There's no end. There's we're so linear sometimes that we think about, but we have so much more than a time limit, really. And there's never gonna be enough of it. Like, and it's so beautiful and sad to think about. But if we just love everything of it as much as we could, even if it's a sad moment, and value that for what it is. Mm-hmm. At that time, it's still beautiful. It's still an experience, and we are so very lucky to be able to have that. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Yeah. I got nothing else. Uh, I think we pretty much said it all. Like uh, Mike dropped. Mike dropped. That's it. Uh, why don't you let these people know uh, if they so choose how they can follow uh, follow you on social media oh sure um, social media is uh, Instagram <laughs> Yeah. I totally forgot um, Instagram is CCS well, I totally forgot my Instagram actually <laughs> I think it's like um, CCSX don't worry everybody I'll be putting oh, yeah, the links oh, yeah. Yeah, C-C-S-N-A-X, like snacks. C-C-S-N-A-X, um, underscore, Something C-4. Another. There you go. I'll be putting the links. Yep. All, I'll, I'll be putting up. all the links down in the description. Don't worry. <laughs> if you can't remember. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Because I, I don't even know my own name on that thing. But people find me. There I don't, you go. Somehow, some way, people find me. And then I'm on TikTok now. I just started that thing. Right. Which is hilarious. Yes. That's a whole different world. <laughs> love it interesting it's very interesting it's cool um that one is uh c4 underscore coop that one's easy to remember there we go and i won't change it i have that bad habit of changing all my handles and everything (laughs) but yeah then i forget there we go but uh yeah i'll be posting all those links down in the uh description so feel free to follow her and if her story inspired you to uh go seek help yourself or to just do uh some introversive uh looking into figuring out who you really are um then yeah that's all the more for definitely and um i'm i'm also a member um remember lulu yeah she does it she's a peer counselor now through the va um She's also available, like, but I'm available to talk at any time for anybody who just needs a list, like just a listening ear. Um, I like to talk a lot, so just, just lay it on me and um, bounce experiences off each other or something. Because like nobody should ever, ever, ever feel like they can't talk to anybody because somebody needs some, some, somebody at right. point, and. If I can just be there to listen to something, I don't even care what it is. You can talk about your dog. You can talk about whatever you like. I love dogs, anyways. But like, I will be there to listen. I, I'd what was the saying? I'd rather listen to you talk about anything and everything than have to recite something at your funeral. Facts. Because nobody wants nobody wants that. And like I. I am the the least judgmental person. I I tell my story 
not for sympathy or pity or anything like that. I tell my story, so maybe it touches somebody else. I tell my story because it might matter to somebody and it might resonate with somebody. And I don't know, it might um, have somebody um, make a phone call one day. For sure. The irony in what you just said is... I don't even know if it's like if I can say clandestine or what, but it's so monumental because literally in the episode right before this one, uh, me and uh, my guests on that one, we say we talk about the same thing about how some people put stuff on Facebook or they put stuff on social media. And then you have these people out there who they use that as entertainment and they use that to basically dig at someone versus like to talk to someone and understand someone because people i believe put that out there not so much to be judged or ridiculed or to draw sympathy as you said but just so people understand okay i've placed this out there so the next action that i take you know where it's coming from it's not necessarily that it's coming out of nowhere this is the place that i'm coming from at this point in time and it's so people know you versus judge you and I get that. Yes. you. When I say to somebody, I understand how you feel, or I know what you're going through, you're damn right I'm going to know what you're going through, right. and this is why. Right. Because I, I have lived in that position. Like, I have been there. I have done that before. I have felt that. I have put that gun away. Right. I have pulled that gun back out. I have been there. Right. And... I know what you're going through. Like, so it's, you're exactly right. When people put those stories out there, it's not for, you know, whatever reason, but to explain that there are people out there that have been through things and and that are going through things like you. It's, it's comforting to know that you're not alone.